Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is CloudMLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With CloudMLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide CloudMLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out CloudMLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to an episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. Obviously, this is your co-host, Rob Hahn, the notorious ROB. And I see on the screen the handsome face of Mr. Greg Robertson. <laughs> Hola, Rob. Hola, Greg. <laughs> How are you, man? All right. I think, is this going to be the first one that we do? I mean, we're going to do, obviously, the audio is going to go to podcast, but I guess yes. we're trying this whole thing of doing video now, right? Ah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I dressed up for you. So, you know, I, I don't, but I don't know if we've ever done, we've released this out as a video, you and I talking on the podcast. I don't think before. we have. No. Okay. So this um, might be, this is our, this might be the event. first one, or we might, you know, polish it up a little bit and get it going. But yeah, you know, eventually all things move to video. <laughs> it's just the reality, true. you know, that's true. But uh, yeah, man. So lots going on. But I thought we, you know, not like trying to prep for this thing. I feel like we should talk about Realogy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it was uh, kind of surprising a little bit there, but yeah. there's a lot of nuance to it as well, right? Yeah. So, so let's give a little bit of context here, right? So as I understand it, and I think I wrote about it, but it's really all over Inman. I think Inman is the one who really reported this. I want to say, what, like two weeks ago now? Yeah, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, two or three weeks ago. Basically, uh, they were reporting that Ryan Gorman, who is the president and CEO of Coldwell Banker of the Realogy Brokerage Division, right, said a bunch of things in a court filing, and the court filing was unsealed. Inman's uh, read through it and said, "Oh my gosh!" And the big takeaway, the big like aha thing was that Realogy apparently was opposing the mandatory cooperation compensation rules in the MLS. So that was like the big news. Lots of well, mostly the co- the compensation, not the cooperation. Right, right. The compensation, the mandatory compensation right. piece. And then I think they probably got a whole bunch of controversy and pushback from their own people. So you know they sort of clarified their position a little bit more. You know, and that's kind of where things are today. So what'd you think? <laughs> well, you know, being you know a a big proponent and supporter of the MLS. I mean, it's, it wasn't a good day for MLS there, right? I mean, there's already a lot of pressure out there as far as for separating cooperation and compensation. And to Ryan's point, I think he was pointing to some MLSs where the compensation was, a, you know, even down to a dollar or something. I mean, it wasn't right. really anything. I think so. He was coming, and I, I, I honestly believe he didn't really think far enough ahead of when they made that comment or, you know, when they were that deposition or what, however it was uh, taken from the original time, meaning, I don't know if he, he really thought that through as far as when you say you're going to really eliminate that. I think he was coming from a business perspective of going, Hey, this is the thing. This seems to be the one thing that the DOJ's really harping us about. And I look at uh, around the place and some of them have, a, have you know, a, a compensation level less than a dollar. So what are we what are we fighting for here? Why don't we just mm-hmm. give this up and move on with our lives? Right. I don't know if he he gave as much thought to what the consequences of that would be for 
MLS as as a an industry and as a a method of doing business, a marketplace of doing business? I don't know. So obviously, it would be great if we could just get him on industry relations to ask him directly. But uh, you know, we we didn't do that, and I doubt that he'd want to come on our show necessarily and face, you know. <laughs> so this is just, again, my personal take on things. I, I haven't spoken to him or anyone from Realogy. I actually think there was some thought put into this. And here's why. I would agree with you if he was like on stage at an Inman conference or something, and this was asked and he said, yeah, you know, I, what are we dealing with? But that's not what happened, right? He did this in a written response in a lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. It was a, it was actually like a submission to the court, which means that, you know, he it wasn't even like he was being deposed in a deposition. Like it was a written response, which means that Realogy Legal was involved with this, right? Which means that Realogy, like, yeah, like that's how I think about it, right? Like you don't just submit anything to a court without thinking about it, without, you know, getting legal counsel. Now it's possible in all of that conversation. There wasn't a conversation had about well, how does this affect the MLS? So I think I wrote something up, you know, about it, and I think this was kind of deliberate. I, to me, this felt like Realogy distancing themselves from NAR, right? This felt like Realogy and Realogy Legal and Realogy Corporate saying, you know, it's not like we want to destroy cooperation compensation, but we don't want to be in the same boat with NAR, who is currently suing the United States government, right? Like we need to distance ourselves a little bit. So maybe the position we take is we have no problem with compensation. We just don't think it should be mandatory, right? Because that was kind of the position that they took, right? Why does this have to be mandatory? Because even without mandatory rules, like say Northwest MLS, that's the example that he brought up, right? right? Where there is, it's, it's a broker owned, you know, they're not subject to these things. And Northwest for years have said, you don't have to offer anything, Right. And even with that, what they point out is, but the you know most of the brokers and agents do offer compensation, right. even when it's not required. So why, you know, I think that's kind of the the take they have on it. But to me, the first initial you know blushes, there's a distancing there, right? Yeah, I mean, if you want to be, I don't know what the word would be here. If I could look at it from a standpoint of like. Of course, they're going to say something like this. When you're right. a big organization and you have control of a lot of listings, it's only going to be It's only going to. It's a better situation for organizations that are large like that to take that position, right? Because in the end, if you if you have a lot of listings, if you're in control of a lot of agents, you're a bigger company. That's going right. to behoove you. So you could maybe he didn't think about it, but then again, if I go to the point where you're saying that they did, well, of course you're going to say that because they're a big organization, right? Right. right. Um, so. I might be talking on both sides of my mouth, but you can see you can see the the argument both ways there for sure. Right. Look, I mean, so what I wrote, and I've maintained this for a while now. You know, I know you're one of the people who actually read my co-star report on this. Was when they entered, I said, "Listen, if residential real estate looks like commercial real estate, right? It really benefits the big brokerages. Yeah, it really does." And I even put this on the blog post, looking at like market caps and revenue. And I think I was using 2020 numbers, right? Like CBRE, which is the largest brokerage in commercial, their revenues were like $24 billion. <laughs> it's like, and their profit margin is, you know, 5.3%. Realogy, which is the largest brokerage in residential real estate, their revenues was $5.8 billion and their profit margin is negative 3%. And I'm going, the issue there is that residential real estate is like two or three times the size of commercial real estate. So you would think that the largest broker in residential would be much more valuable. It's not. Why? It's because they don't have pricing control. You know, they're giving away all the money to their agents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I went through all of that. And I said, so really, whether Ryan Gorman or Ryan Schneider or any of the big brokerage companies would admit it or not, and I think there are lots of reasons why they wouldn't come out and say this publicly. But if you just look at the numbers, I'm like, there's a huge advantage to you all if residential real estate moves to be something more like commercial real estate. Now, this is something that a lot of people contest. Right? Yeah. So, you know, for sure. To me, though, you know, if you think about it, there's other, other people that benefit. You mentioned CoStar. I mean, mm-hmm. in a world where CoStar doesn't like the, you know, they talk about hijacking listings, which is basically IDX. Yeah. They want to go more to a market and what they're used to in the commercial side 
of selling advertising services to seller agents. That's right. Sense, right. Right. So part of me thinks on the conspiracy theory here is there are no coincidences, right? Okay. The DOJ, Realogy, CoStar coming in big, somewhere in the Illuminati had made a decision. <laughs> this is where we're going to go towards. And you can, and all this stuff is starting adding up, right? But what I don't think that, you know, everybody kind of puts off is like, you know, what the value of an MLS, what it brings, you know, mm-hmm. with, right. comp, with having comps, with uh, a centralized database. Yeah. And, if, and that to me requires a carrot and a stick, you know, okay. as far as for getting that together, right? Yeah. So they might, you know, they can think, oh, this is going to be a great world, but I don't know if they they really understand the the full consequences of what could happen if, you know, a big broker, a big franchise or just says, nope, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to put this on this database. So We're let's let's take that own. in let's take that in two phases, right? Because one is, and I think you and I have had this conversation over the years, but in light of this, let's sort of revisit it. If there is no mandatory compensation, right? Whether that's because NAR listens to Realogy, whether it's because the FTC comes in and bans it, or whatever, something happens where you are no longer required to offer unilateral offer of compensation. You can if you want, and this is Ryan's point. You can if you want, but it's no longer required. Okay. What is the MLS's value then if you don't have the unilateral offer of compensation? Well, I'll do a judo move here and use, you know, your own force against you or his own. Yeah, man. Well, we have a situation like that, right? He made the argument that Northwest MLS is in that exact situation. Right. And still that MLS is thriving and growing and and is still of the brokers in that area find value in that, right? So maybe we've already answered the question. Maybe we're making much ado about nothing here. But I see, I don't think that's really necessary. What I mean is you say the brokers in that area find value in it. What's the value they find in it? Well, all the things that, you know, a centralized database, a right. place of finding comps, you know, a, a way of, of promoting all the listings to the widest variety of agents out there in one place. Right. You know, right. And that was my point, right? If you don't have offer of compensation, you still have cooperation. You don't have compensation, right? Then the value of the MLS, then the value of the MLS is data and it's technology. Right. It's a it's a wholly different situation for sure. Right. And if it's data and technology, so use Northwest MLS as an example, right? If the value of Northwest MLS to its brokers and agents is you have data, you have all the listings, it's clean, you have comps, and you have some technology, you know, platform for us to communicate with, you know what I mean? Like to do all that. That's kind of the point that I was raising is like, well, in that environment, wouldn't a $36 billion company be far better able to offer the data and the technology than a 25,000 member MLS in the Pacific Northwest, right? And that's the piece that I think people are either unwilling or unable to sort of wrestle with. Do you know what I mean? Dude, that's been like my life over the last four or five years is bringing this up and then having MLS boards and executives go, you're crazy. And I'm like, am I? I okay, maybe I am, right? But so I'm if, just if, looking at the logic here. If, if Okay, just again, pulling on that thread. Yeah. So why hasn't that happened? Is it inertia from this model that is so strong that it's 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 too hard to kind of change or what? I don't know. I mean, it's a great question. Why hasn't it happened? I think inertia play, probably plays a part, but I think the other one is timing. Right. In other words, when Costar entered, I like my whole you know red dot was around the timing is really interesting. It doesn't make sense for a big tech company, right? Whether it's Costar, Zillow, Redfin, whoever, right? Some Facebook, you know, whoever. It doesn't make sense for them to come in and try and be like, hey, you don't need the MLS anymore because if all you're getting from the MLS is data and tech, we can do data and tech way better than they can, right? It doesn't make sense to do that when it's just Northwest MLS. Right. And a Realogy or a Compass or EXP. Why why doesn't it? I mean, you know, there's has to be the first domino, right? I mean, if you can prove it out in a certain market, I mean, in a sense, isn't that what what CoStar is doing now with City Snap, right? They're going after us. Well, I mean, New York is different, right? New but, York is such a different market. But I mean, though, starting right? in one place, I mean, that's the way any technology grows. I know right. you have to start somewhere and show right. we can do this, and then and then the other the other other dominoes fall, right? I don't know. I, I don't you know, know if you need yeah. if I believe the argument is they they have to do it nationally or not, right? I mean, that's 
That's a big. I, I don't mean, think it's a you have to do it nationally or not. What I'm saying is, if all of those agents and all those brokers are already kind of in this mandatory compensation based system everywhere else, other than Northwest. And let's face it, like most of the other broker owns that we know of, they all require mandatory compensation. Like Northwest right. is the only one I can think of that does not require it, right? Like first MLS requires it, uh, MLS PIN requires it. You know, just ev- all the other broker owns that I'm aware of all require mandatory compensation, right? Just following NAR's rules. Right. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to kind of get in and start messing with stuff, right? It almost makes more sense to just go, let's look. We're going to enter the market now. We're going to wait and watch. But fundamentally, the market forces are kind of aligned in our way. We just have to bide our time, wait for something to happen, wait for this mandatory rule to go away, right? And then we can act, right? Right. I mean, I think that's kind of my theory as to why it hasn't happened yet, right? Because the chess pieces aren't there yet. The the components to make it once that does happen, and that that does play, you know, does speak to like a co-star strategy for sure. Right. Right, exactly. So I think that's why this is potentially a big deal. What I guess no one knows yet is how this will actually play out. Right. So if we fast forward and just think, okay, let's say that the DOJ, let's say that the FTC comes in. And just follows Realogy's rule, which is you're allowed to have compensation, right? In other words, there's an extreme scenario, right? Where let's say the FTC comes in and basically says, look, here's the regulation. You are not allowed to share commissions at all, period, end of story, right? right. So it's not just a, you know, it's not mandatory. It's, it's actually forbidden. I think there's a chance that they do that because as long as you have compensation being offered, you have a problem with steering. And that's something that I know for a fact those guys care about a great deal. So it's possible they come in with a really strong regulation, you know, strong in the sense of um, of rough, right? Of saying, okay, it's completely banned, right? You can't share commissions, or a slightly uh, less strong, a slightly more, you know, friendly to the industry position, which is, look, if you want to offer compensation, you can, but NAR, you're not allowed to require it. It can't be mandatory, right? Right. So let's go with that second scenario, which is what Ryan Gorman's talking about. Let's say that happens. What's the impact? Right? Do you think then that we continue to see, like Ryan Gorman and Realogy have already clarified, that most, the vast majority of brokers agents will offer compensation? Yeah, you I know? think so. I mean, I mean, it's been it's happened in a sense with Northwest MLS. They've they've kept that going. I think it's again, it's the the model has such inertia to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, all I would say is that it just takes one, right? And I think we're so fractured in this industry, even like, you know, Realogy has a brokerage, but they're a franchiser, right? So right. they're all independent companies. right? And those independent companies are smaller and they 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 want that cooperation right. compensation, right? So right. even Realogy with, with what they have, they don't have control of all those agents that right. are under that umbrella, right? So Somebody would have to do it one brokerage, and I don't know who has that power. It's so fractured that could pull away from that. You know, I, I think about it in a sense of like Southwest versus sure. the rest of all the airlines, right? You can go online and go to these aggregation sites and see get pricing for every air, other airline but Southwest. I think the genie's out of the bottle as far as going back to that. Who knows? I mean, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Here's how I almost think about it. So I heard um I actually recorded another podcast earlier today with uh, someone, soon to be coming next week, hopefully. And he pointed something out. He said, look, all of the big agent teams now, bending over backwards, going out of their way to keep their leads in-house. Right? That's always been the case, though. Right. Well, if you don't have to worry about compensation, right, then that almost feels more likely. And so it won't be like a brokerage coming out. And again, just my take on real estate brokerages today very few of them are going to come out and tell their agents, you're not allowed to offer compensation, right? That's not going to be the case. It would be more like, hey, if you don't want to offer compensation, that's totally fine. Like, we'll back you. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it'll be more permissive rather than a prohibition. And in that environment, I do wonder if some of the big agent teams who have you know thousands, hundreds, thousands of listings, they're strong, really strong at listings. They have buyer agents on their team. Maybe they do go out and say, listen, no compensation offered. Because if we keep it in-house, then 
we could compensate our own buyer agents, however we do it in-house, right? I mean, is that a possibility? I, it, there's a part of that feels like logically, economically, financially, that makes sense to do if I'm a big agent team. And I do deals with the other big agent teams. Like, listen, if we work together, right, we'll, we'll hook each other up somehow, right? Yeah. I mean, then they're they're pulling out IDX. They're pulling Correct. out of so, so many other things that that's got to be a pretty ballsy move. And, you know, the other thing is, so that also means they're not putting it up on, they're not putting it up on Zillow and other sites? No, they just put in the MLS with no compensation offer. With no compensation offer. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it'll go to MLS. It goes to all those places, you know. And here's the thing: like one of the things I do think about is, okay, in that world, let's say you get disciplined, you literally do something that is against the rules of the MLS. See, MLS says, "Hey, uh, you know, you're you screwed up, right? Here's a, a compliance whatever warning, and we're gonna fine you five hundred dollars." And they just go, "Screw you, not paying." Right. Okay, your fine just went to five thousand dollars. Screw you, not paying. Right. Okay, we're gonna boot you off and get rid of you. Cool. What did I lose? Right. If I'm a buyer agent, if I'm a strong listing agent, okay, well I can't put in the MLS anymore. But if I'm a strictly a buyer agent, what did I lose by getting booted off the MLS? Right. Because all of the properties, guess what? I can find it on Zillow. Right. I can find it on Homes.com. I can find it on Redfin. My buyer clients will probably email them to me, say, "Can I? I want to see this house." Okay, there's no mandatory compensation. Nobody's offering compensation. So what I have to do then is to say, "Hey, are you going to pay me, buyer?" Or conversely, I call the listing agent directly and say, "Hey, I want to show your house. Will you give me compensation?" Because it's not mandatory, right? Right. So then, what do I lose by getting booted off the MLS? Well, you're going to see active listings. You're not going to get, you know, if you want to make a, and you know, this market besides this market that's going on now, yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, make yeah. an educated. Um, what am I going to offer for this property? If you don't yeah. have really good access to those pending, expireds, and sold listings, and be able to make some really good analysis on those for like yeah. a buyer CMA or something like that, you lose that type of thing. Right. Um, you know, it's. I think it's. You know, there's such a, a deeper search experience when you're a member on the MLS systems of really trying to find out what it is. I mean, there's a limited amount of fields on these public sites that aren't really good for a professional. Even though I've I've read, you know, it's like the most common search listings are 16 fields or something like that. But still, <laughs> you know, if that that one agent, if that one buyer wants to make sure that their dock is 15 feet, you know, deep as far as the water is or something, you find that more or that type of information on the. Couldn't you just call the listing agent? Hey, how deep is your dock? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, getting a hold of agents is always like. And uh, I get it, but you know, I I, I do wonder because you're right. Like the the one of the things that I remember from way back in the day, right when I was interim CMO over at um, Bright back then as MRIS, I remember asking like, we've got like 350 fields in this in our database. How many searches are done using these fields? And it was shocking, man. Like we had fields that were mandatory that like one agent ever used for a search. I'm like, why do we have a field? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that goes back. That's, that's years. I mean, that's a whole thing. different, right. Years for you. Right. But it's, I mean, it, Hawaii MLS did a study about that. It was like, I think it was like 16 fields accounted for 95% of the searches on their MLS. Right. right? So right. yeah. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I would remember going to get into these conversations about the type of fireplace that the home had. Right. I'm like, has anyone ever in the history of home search Search for I only want wood, you know, wood burning fireplaces. I'm sure there has, you know, that's probably that five percent. You know, there's some, but that's what know, I mean. That, I don't picky. I, it would be like talk about studies, man. Like you guys should do this, Lone Wolf. You know, just find out like how many people have actually done that. I I really think the number is very very low, right? To a point where even as an MLS or as an agent, I say, okay, I'm just forego that. I don't I don't need that, right? Because if that one off situation comes up, I guess I'm calling the listing agent saying, hey, listen, my client's really weird and wants to know what brand, you know, your water heater is. <laughs> right. Well, they're not, yeah. They're not, I mean, I, I get your point, but I will say we do get a lot of agents that do complain like they have particular buyers. Like I, you know, you set up listing alerts, for instance, right? So every MLS system has a reverse right. prospecting, you know, right. system. We have a thing called CloudStreams that does that. There's other products right, like that. Right. 
But, you know, a lot of buyers get pissed off. Why are you sending me this house? I told you I only wanted houses that had master on the first floor. That's right. Right. There's probably more than you think, but it's not, it's not crazy. I mean, I do get your, your overall point of like, okay, what does a buyer agent lose? Right. There are some questions there, but um, not being a, an active agent, a licensed agent. I mean, I can't answer that what, what, what those things would be, but I'm right. sure there's a, a lot longer list than you and I can think of. So I think my point behind that was because I literally, I think Inman quoted me as the guy that was saying, if you get rid of cooperation compensation, it destroys the MLS. And it's like, oh, it's hyperbolic. This is completely overblown. I'm like, okay, maybe. But what I was bringing up, whatever, in 2018 or 2017, when I wrote that was, if there is no compensation and the agent gets booted off the MLS, right? what is it that they really lose? Because right now, to me, and the MLS is defined as a vehicle for cooperation, offering cooperation and compensation, right? Okay. If that goes away, then what do you really lose? And to your point, it's data and it's access technology. Well, and it's also like, if we're just talking about scenario two, as you outlined it, there mm-hmm. is, you're losing access to some listings that would offer you compensation. But if they're going to offer compensation voluntarily, why wouldn't they offer it to me when I call them? Well, again, you could probably go to the MLS and find out if they're not offering compensation very easily. Mm-hmm. versus, you know, having to call every listing, you you know, or, hey, right. are you offering? Are you offering? Are you offering? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there, there's a bit of that too, right? Yeah. Who knows how it's going to play out? So that was, that was actually my point. And, but didn't and, you find it like, you know, for some reason, I didn't know this, but was it a shock to you? Not a shock, but was it, was it news to you that Northwest MLS didn't have that rule? It wasn't news. And I don't remember, like, I don't think, I don't remember ever. Look, I, you know, knowing that maybe I did know it, but I just, yeah. you know, having it that being that stark, like, no, you don't have to. That was that was yeah. uh, I was shocked by that, actually. Yeah. No, I you know, here's the thing like NAR's defense against is we have never prescribed that you have to offer a certain amount. Right? You just right. have to offer. And it's like it, there's no rule, no MLS policy anywhere that says you must offer half in compensation. Right. Like, you could offer a dollar if that's what you want. Right. You just have to offer some compensation. Right. Right. I think my take on that today, and it's always kind of been this way, focusing on sort of the mandatory nature of the rule to me is it's not the right focus because I think ultimately these lawsuits, like the the civil lawsuits, as well as uh, any sort of uh, FTC action, I don't think it's going to turn on the mandatory nature of the specific wording of a particular rule. I think it's going to turn on steering. I think it's going to turn on how widespread is steering by buyer agents. But the steering, what you're saying now is that they're searching for, that they're not going to show or present properties that are not offering or offering lower compensation. Right. Right. So how widespread do you think that is? So you think that's widespread now? I don't know, man. There's not a whole lot of studies around it, right? Well, I can't imagine that because let's, let's, you know, for instance, you know, all those things are going to be on Zillow. I typically right now, and everybody says this, the and this is an argument why compensation for buyers agents should be less because the consumer is doing all the work anyway. So I just, I can't see a world where you can see all the listings out there, right? Right. On Zillow or on whatever. And then they go, okay, I want to see these five houses. Then the agent goes, oh, this one isn't going to offer me whatever. I'm not going to show that because this, this right. the, the buyer is going to go, why aren't you going to show that to me? Or why are you doing that? I mean, they're going to, sh- I mean, I can't, there's too much transparency now for agents to take cover, right? Maybe that could happen in the past when right. there was just for sale signs or whatever, and it was difficult to do that. But now that the genie's out of the bottle, I don't, right. I just can't see that really operating at scale as far as doing that hiding. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, again, the, it's, it's all speculation because again, there's been never really like a real sustained study. The only thing that we have, well, they, 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 they didn't, didn't they do a, I forget what you call it. They, they asked for a, a CID. Data. Yeah. A, yeah. CID. Well, so this, here's right? the only thing we have so far is one study. As far as I know, one study of MLS pen, right. Of Boston area, MLS listings, MLS and, you know, performance mm-hmm. by three academics all three of whom, by the way, are like witnesses for the FTC. And what they found was that steering happens and it's pretty widespread and there's huge economic impact on homes that are offering less than the median, the average price, right? All I'm, all I'm saying is, if that's really what this is going to turn on, then what the regulation will turn on is to eliminate that. 
right? So the argument is, look, we don't need to do any regulation because the way the market works, Zillow is, exists, CoStar exists. There's no more steering. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Right. But the way I look at it, government you know, regulators tend not to not regulate. Right? I mean, yeah. I've, I've never seen a scenario where they go, yeah, there's this problem, but we're not going to do anything about it. You know, we're going to let the market take care of itself. If, if that were the case, they don't, they're not typically not getting jobs as regulators. So that's kind of what I think. I think what they're going to come down with is something, it's not about the specific rule or mandatory this or that. I think what they're going to try and figure out is how do we create, how do we tell the industry what to do so as to remove the possibility of steering? And when they do that is when I think the MLS is in real danger. Because at that point, the value proposition is just data and technology. You don't have the enforcement ability that you had before. Like right now, today, if you're an agent or your broker, you get some nasty grant from the MLS, you kind of have to respond to it because you can't afford to lose access to the MLS. Okay, once whatever happens, happens, and the realogies and the, you know, the big companies say, yeah, you know what, this shouldn't be mandatory. Right? Leave it up to the market, leave it up to us, the brokers, leave it up to the agents to decide what they want to do. Then what exactly do you really lose if you lose access to the MLS? And it feels to me like more and more, you're not losing very much. And if that happens and the MLS can't enforce its rules, then you start asking real questions to why in the world, like, am I paying you know, thousands of dollars to belong to this organization that can't even enforce its own rules? One thing I just thought of while you were talking yeah. is we're in a situation now where it's a seller's market, mm-hmm. right? Now, and that's, that's kind of like, I think, putting blinders on for us. And that's the the optics we're looking at now, mm-hmm. but we both, both of you and I, you and I both have been around a long enough time where, I mean, it's, it should be cyclical. It hasn't been it cyclical be. for yeah. a while, yeah. but definitely I've been in those situations, like just right after the, the yep. great recession where it, it was, was a buyer's the, market. It's a buyer's market, right? Absolutely. So, so you could talk about this and everything could flip you know, not overnight, but it could flip. Definitely it could flip. Right. So we're, we're looking at this through the lens that, okay, sellers are always going to be in control and why would they ever, whatever, but Hey, you know, that could flip in a, in a, in a dime and mess this whole thing up. Right. So if you look at it from that point that, that this is going to be cyclical, I can't see a world where like, okay, okay. From now on, I, I know we didn't do offer before, but you right. know what? I'm going to do it this time. I mean, that, that just seems pretty swarmy to me of organizations kind of doing that, right? So, so to me, it's better to come up with, with situations where, I mean, there's going to be compression or something, but leveling setting what, what all those services mean, right? And you know what? In some instances, you might want to, you might argue that the buyer, uh, you know, buyers should get more, uh, agents should get more commit, mm-hmm. more part of that. And others, it might be lower. So I, I see that type of thing, but elimination you know, I think I think there I think a lot of this stuff, if I'm thinking about it a little bit further here, they're all viewing this through the lens of what the market is now. And it's not always going to be that way. It's not always going to be multiple offers. It's not always going to be, you know, low inventory or whatever the situation or low interest rates. It's going to change. And I think we're just a lot of these things are just looking through this lens of of the way the market is now and not realizing that what would what would we be talk would we be talking about this in a situation where you know, homes were taking an average of, you know, 120 days to sell. So in, in counterpoint, I guess what I'm thinking about is commercial real estate is also cyclical. They've never had cooperation conversation and it functions, right? I always hate when you have a good point. I really do. I really hate that. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it functions. So I think, again, look, I, I will be happy to make the argument to the FTC because I'm anti-government. So you guys should stay the hell out. To, happy to make the argument, look, right now we're looking at it through a very strong seller's market. If things would flip to a buyer's market, this problem all just goes away. So don't do anything. Just leave it be. I'd be happy to make that argument. I guess what I'm saying, what I'm thinking though, is if I'm them putting myself in their shoes, I look at, okay, well, yeah, markets go up and down, but why do we need compensation at all? Because here's commercial and people are doing business, they're transacting and if things go up and down, they figure but, stuff out, but none of it is being done by NAR. None of it is being done by some MLS, right? CoStar is not enforcing any of that stuff. 
as long as you can get access to data and as long as you can get access to comps, as long as there's some method, yeah, let, let it be. And the key kicker, and this is my strong argument, this is my big argument around all of this is, if you are Realogy, if you are Redfin, if you are EXP, if you're Keller Williams, if you're Remax, if you're better, you know, BHHS, there's a pretty strong incentive to want the world to be that way. Because commercial brokers and commercial brands are way more powerful, have a lot more control, and make a lot more money than the residential counterparts. And the reason is, when you think about it, it's like, why is that? Why is that? When you think about it, it's pretty simple because there's no MLS, right? And yeah, you have to pay CoStar a hell of a lot more than right. anybody's paying the MLS today, right? But it turns out that that tends to privilege the bigger companies. And that's the piece that I feel like we're not, we're just not talking about, right? We're just not talking about. Yeah, but the bigger companies, I mean, again, it's so disparate. I mean, they're so... They're so fractured that not one entity here can really claim anything because of the models we have out there. So mm -hmm. we don't have that strong enough force to kind of make that. And I think- what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, again, as I said before, I mean, Realogy is a franchiser as well as a broker. I'm just, but I'm saying, forget the franchise for a second. Just look at the brokerage. Right? Yeah, but- They're I mean, still the many, largest brokerage oh, in the country. Okay, but there's 1.5 million agents and yep. they have what? I mean, just, uh, just part of the brokerage, not the whole thing. Just part of the brokerage. I want to say they have about 50,000. Okay. 50,000 out of 1.5? I mean, that's not going to move Yeah, but the yet. production that those guys are doing is pretty ginormous. Yeah, I mean- But here, here's, the, here's the thing, right? If you have 50,000 agents, I'm a brokerage. I have 50,000 agents. The point that I made in the, red, in the red dot and the point that I've been saying all along, because again, I came out of commercial, right? So I have experience negotiating with CoStar, right? right. If you're saying, I'm going to bring 50,000 people, let me tell you, you get favorable rates. Right. Right. My per user cost is way lower, right? Than if I'm bringing 5,000 agents. So, my point simply is in this sort of commercial real estate type world, the big brokers could, you know, again, they'll pay through the nose, right? So, all of a sudden, your MLS fee, instead of it being $75 a month, now it's $750 a month, right? But thing is, the smaller independents, now they're paying fifteen hundred a month. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm able to drive those guys out of business because I'm bigger and I have more pricing power. Right. This is something that the DOJ, FTC, no, none of those guys are looking at at all. Right. Which said residential real estate is extraordinarily fragmented, and you just don't see companies with market power the way we see in commercial real estate. Right. Where CBRE, JLL. Cushman and Wakefield have real market dominance. We don't see that in residential real estate. Why? Because the MLS exists. Right. Right. I mean, so the transition plan for that, I mean, to, to really make what you had happen, I mean, that's that's a risky bet, right? I mean, Dude, so it, it goes right in line with your Illuminati philosophy. Yeah. If there were truly an Illuminati, right, chances are the Illuminati are in control of big companies, big banks, big organizations. They would like to see more and more centralization, more and more power in the hands of a Realogy, a Redfin, an EXP, and less power in the hands of Joe Schmo brokerage with three people, right? So if there truly were an Illuminati, yeah, yeah, right? They would like to see the MLS be smashed and have residential real estate look like commercial real estate. And then the big brokerages get bigger and bigger and get more powerful. I think it makes more sense if there were an Illuminati to want that world. Right then, the oh, world no, we it's, have today. Uh, yeah, no, totally. But yeah, okay. You're the you know you have a lot more experience in the commercial range. So riddle me this, and and again, maybe it's just because I'm a hammer and everything looks like a nail. I've been in the MLS industry for so long. I mean, right, right. I, it's hard. It really is hard for me to kind of like unwind this in my head. But so I'm a. Uh, I'm trying to remember how this happened with me, but I'm a business owner. I want to get into a. There's a building over here. My brother-in-law is a commercial agent, and I say, "Hey, I need seventy-five hundred square feet in right. Costa Mesa." So, in that case, I saw this property over here. I really like. Yeah, it's not part of his. It's not under him. It's it's right. Cushfield. Right. He's right. Right. He's you know some. He's Paragon or whoever right. else. Right? right. That guy does not get compensated. Nope. So you have. So to there pay is him. no value for bringing a buyer to that nope. building. Not even like a steak dinner? 
uh, maybe a steak dinner, right? And then, so the way I understand it to work, and again, I've never been a commercial hey, that's, realtor. Doesn't that seem kind of crazy to you? No, not in the least bit. Because what the Cushman guy will say to your brother-in-law is, hey, man, like, that's great. You'll bring us a buyer. And it's like, well, am I, well, have your client pay you. Why am I paying you? Right. And in commercial, that actually happens. Clients so there's a, buy, there's a buyer agreement directly Correct. with. Correct. Right. And here's, here's, here's the thing. I remember very distinctly, we had this one broker, uh, like when I worked at Coal Bank Commercial, who had a specialty in retail site selection. This is a kind of a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a big retailer, or even if you're a small Good retailer. Good traffic, driving Yeah, traffic, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. And dude, the level of analysis that these guys would do, right? Looking at all the foot traffic patterns, you know, demographic patterns, and you know uh, what's happening with all this stuff. Like, it's pretty sophisticated, right? And they charged rather a lot of money for that service. It had nothing to do with whether they're going to buy a place or not. It was simply we're going to do this report for you, right? Walmart, so you could do proper site selection, and you're going to write us a check for like two hundred grand because the service we're offering is worth it. And in fact, it is. So, what about in lease situations? Lease, same thing. I have your client pay you. Why am I paying you? Right. Right. Now, again, it depends. In some situations, especially, and this is important, if they're friends, right? <laughs> then there might be, hey, yeah, you know what? Uh, bring me the buyer, and I'll hook you up. Right. And I guess it's in some points, they're, they're like any organization, they might be putting out there, like, hey, you know, if you lease this building, you know, right. Buyer agent gets a Ferrari or some shit right. like that. Some right? shit like that. Yeah. But the thing that I remember very clearly when I first got into commercial, I had its mentor who was a big time leasing broker in New York City, like top five in the city, like big time, total big swing deck. And you would tell these stories of like after they did a deal. And keep in mind, the deal for them is like 10, 15 year lease at $100 million a year. I mean, we're talking yeah. multi, I mean, it's humongous deals, right? right? What he would say is all of the people would get together in a conference room and fight over the commission. Buy side, sell side, but even the sell side or buy side, it's typically not one agent, right? It's like a team. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's like 11 people on this team and they would get together and they would argue who did what and who did how much, you know, and they throw down and scream and yell at each other. And then at the end of the day, they would divvy up the, the money and then we would go home. I could see that happening, right? So imagine like a real high-end luxury property, right? $35 million uh, coastal mansion in Southern California, right? I could see that happening. Well, I mean, there's already, this is a practice that a lot of people preach of agents, buyer agents getting a- That's right. A, a, not a listing agreement, but a buyer agreement, right? That, That's right. It lists out everything so that they're, you know, they're right. locked into that kind of That's thing. That's right. And That's that right. kind of practice would keep going on. That's right. I mean- Overall, knows how it's going to change. Yeah. Right? I mean, overall, I mean, and we had this discussion last time, like you were kind of confronting me and asking, well, why is this a big deal? Why, you know, I don't, whatever context. And like, because I was saying, I don't really think it's going to matter much. Right. So you're saying to me, so why is this, you know, who cares then? And I guess as I go back to like the Northwest MLS thing, me being a bit shocked that they didn't have that and that, okay. And, and things still went on. Right. Whether inertia or otherwise, and I don't know. I don't think we can answer the question. My, my feeling is probably know. inertia. It's right. just tradition or whatever you want to right. call it. It kind of made me pause to think of maybe this is the answer. I mean, I, I said everything before with, I don't think you that Ryan thought of the consequences of like taking that away. But if we really have a, a larger MLS, and, and that, that market is pretty interesting because they do have yeah. big players in there that own a big part of that market. Oh, share, yeah. And they're still working together. And offering buyer you yep. know, cooperation and compensation, I mean, there is a little bit of a an, a very uh, elegance to this solution of saying just make it optional, and this all goes away, right? Yep. So there's there's an elegance to that solution there, a simplicity to that solution, but that's a bit. It's still to me, you can't just look at Northwest MLS and say that's that's the way it's going to be for everywhere, but. It caused me to pause and go, huh, maybe this is a solution that could go down that road. But I don't know if I'm if I'm the MLS execs around the country and, and NAR and whatever, if I really want to make that bet nationally. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it, yeah, I yeah. just, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it definitely has some merits there, but man, it's a big bet. I think 
so what's the takeaway, right? So look, who the hell knows what the FTC is going to do? Who the hell knows what the DOJ is going to do? Who the hell knows how these court cases are going to come out, right? Right. And I guess the way I look at it is, and this is sort of just you know my consulting work, is like, okay, we don't know. But here's the thing. You then at least have to prep. Right. At a minimum, you have to have some sort of plan. Okay. If this happens, then we do this. If that happens, then we're going to do that. Right. And I, I've been preaching this message of prepping and contingency planning for like years. And I don't know to what extent they've done it. And that's just an honest, like, I just don't know. Right. The other thing that I would think about is even if it ends up being just a pretty light, look, uh, it, it just has to be optional. Right. In other words, everyone has to go the Northwest MLS route and then look at Northwest MLS, everything's fine. Right. I don't know that I would feel comfortable relaxing on that because of what I said about if it's optional, if it's lightweight, then what exactly can the MLS do to enforce its rules? Right. A big part of the stick is kind of gone. Big part of the carrot, the the carrot and the stick are gone. Right. And then I think if I'm an MLS executive, I would have to have some start having like real strategic conversations about, okay, if there is no compensation anymore, or if it's purely optional, what's our value, right? And my answer to that is your value is the data and the technology. And then I would start wanting to ask questions as to, if that is your value, what are you investing in the data and the technology, right? To me, it's sort of a similar thing. Like any company should be asking this question. Like as Lone Wolf, what is your value, right? It's your technology and customer service. We're like, okay, then you have to invest in that. <laughs> you can't just ignore it. Like you actually have to invest in it and shore up that value. Now I'll say the same thing for MLSs. And I believe, and I think that's why we're recording this, this now is, I don't believe MLS boards and executives are thinking like that. And I think they really need to start thinking like that. Like, what is our value proposition? And if whatever, whatever you decide it is, right? In other words, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, the local MLS, like it's, it's our awesome customer service and relationship with our brokers. Great. Then you know what? You need to invest in that, right? You need to make that a real focus and a real priority because you cannot rely on this. Everyone belongs because they have to going forward. I think that to me should be the big takeaway. For the brokers and agents, the big takeaway has to be if you're not Realogy, if you're not the big brokers, you've got to at least spend some time putting yourself in their shoes and asking, if everything changed, is that good or bad for me? In other words, do not assume that what's good or bad for you as a 10-person independent with 40 years of you know tradition, that what's good and bad for you is the same thing that's good and bad for EXP, Right. Right. I think that's the big takeaway from my style. And looking at Realogy to me is the perfect example that when Ryan Gorman answered a court filing, meaning he thought about it, the legal team waited on it, the PR team waited on it, the answer was, we think this should not be mandatory. And really distancing Realogy's position from NAR's position. Which you could argue was, of course, he's going to say that. They're a big Correct. company, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. But then at least think about what is in the best interest of a big company versus your company. Yeah. Right. You at least have to do that thinking and see where that takes you uh, strategically as you think about what what's might be coming down the pike. And look, maybe none of this matters in the least bit and the market will change and Fed will raise interest rates and the housing market will collapse and will become a buyer's market again. Who the hell knows? Right. Yeah. So. Well, I think two things I got from this, right? More than two, but. One thing is, you know, first thing would be, you know, you've been talking about if cooperation and competition goes away or if they're severed at the end of the MLS. Yeah. And again, being a little bit shocked that I didn't know that Northwest MLS had, it was optional there. I would probably not. And you say you did know, and you were still making that statement. Well, there's a big example up there of one of the largest MLS in the country where it didn't go away. Right. So that makes this kind of conversation to me less scary than it was before knowing that. Okay? I think that's fair. I think that's no, very fair. Yep. Number two, I think just talking this through and going back to this conversation or this insight that I was having about, we're looking at this through just the lens of it being a seller market. I don't mm-hmm. think people are really remember. There's agents right now who's never been in nothing but a seller market. That's right. right? That's right. But if you kind of look at the lens that this is cyclical and this is going to flip, 
how would we look at the conversations right now that we're having? Would we be having these conversations in a buyer market? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that I didn't really kind of consider before. And I think talking with you and going back and forth, that made me consider that. And I think that should be more considered about this. Like, is this just mm -hmm. a solution for a situation now, but it's not going to be a, a solution right. that really matters, you know, going forward. So right. this is, this is, I, I'm, I think that's one of our better ones, man, for yeah, me man. at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, cool. Let's see. So I think our next one, we'll see what the topic ends up being, but this is the sort of uh, conversation that we're known for in depth, you know, expert insider. <laughs> yeah. So I think right now it's like, we haven't made any decisions, but we we're recording this as a video. We're going right. to release this as a podcast. Right. I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to put this out raw as a video on YouTube or we so want we're to wait and prep a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. you know, for that case, you could then on the video on YouTube, put comments in here. So I would love, yeah. uh, cause this is brand new for me is brand new for us on yeah, this, yeah. but if there's topics that you want to talk about, instead of just, you could email us, of course, obviously yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in the comments, yeah. it would be really interesting to yeah, hear uh, everybody's comments too. We're going to professionalize a little bit. We're going to have producers. We're going to have like email addresses where people could submit their questions or their topic suggestions or, hey, I want to be on your show Could talk about whatever. Like, like I, you know, there's there's so many topics I, I can't wait to tackle on this new thing. Like, let, let me put it this way, man. We have to have a show or a series on home affordability. Yeah, God. Housing affordability, I think, is going to be the big issue this year, next year, you know, year after for the foreseeable future, right? I would love to get an economist on, right? And start talking about money printing inflation and dollar devaluation, right? Yeah, I would love to do it. There's so many things. And I know there, and, and maybe some new technology companies, you know, the, the, some of that stuff. Like you, one of your predictions, I think, was M&A really, you know, amps up and Lone Wolf's making all these acquisitions. Can we get a couple of those guys on the podcast and start, you know, asking them what's up? Like, you know, that'd be cool. You know, yeah, I think I think this the current. I mean, it's a great topic, and the current situation now is just it's miserable. The, the supply yeah. is nowhere. Yeah, uh, I think the definition of home is going to change if this keeps going, and what what that means for people. I mean, yeah, I mean we'll it's see. tough. Yeah. We'll 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 discuss it in future. All right, man. Uh, I think our time is up. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. Greg, really great to see you. You great too, conversation. Man. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's send us feedback on, uh, what you thought and what, what do they have to do, Greg? Yeah. They got to go on to, uh, all the <coughs> podcast stuff and give us a five-star rating and write a nice review that always That's helps right. us on the, uh, things on there. I'm, and I guess if we're on YouTube, uh, click the, the like button, button. <laughs> press the like button and get notified. Right. So I don't know. Well, we're not there I'm yet. Becoming we a YouTuber yet. I don't know. Right. This is cool. we, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> all right. Thanks all right, everybody. Rob, good to see you, man. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other. Bye.